uh, which is a few folk this morning, which is great to have you with us. Uh, my name's Chris Brockway. I have the joy of uh, being one of the ministers here in the life of the church. My colleague Kay, uh, who heroically stepped in last Sunday at somewhat short notice uh, to lead the service, is on annual leave this week. So that's why uh, Kay's not here. Um, my family and I have all been locked down, uh, isolating, uh, after all seven of us uh, tested positive with covid uh, some two weeks ago. Don't worry, uh, I'm in the clear. Uh, can I say to you thank you? Thank you for all the expressions of love um, and concern that you've made towards us as a family. Uh, we have just felt so blessed, uh, so thank you for that. Um, I can't tell you how joyfully I skipped out the house um, on Friday when Freedom Day uh, eventually came uh, my way. Well, advertisers love it, uh, don't they, when they manage to coin a phrase uh, or a strapline which sticks in the minds of consumers. If you're an advertising executive, the big dream in your life is that you'll coin that one phrase that lasts uh, for a lifetime in the memories of people. And one of my personal favorites is Ron Seal's advertising strategy. Uh, do you know the words? Ron Seal, all together, does exactly what it says on the tin. There you go, we all know it. Uh, do you know they've been using the same advertising strapline now for nearly 30 years? That's how long uh, that strapline has stood the test of time. And of course, it's a great strapline because it sticks in the minds of people. How many times have you used that strapline, does exactly what it says on the tin, and you're not even talking about paint? Uh, probably most of us uh, have done it. Now, of course, that slogan's not true for every product, uh, is it? Uh, whilst I was in the shower the other day, I, I took great joy in discovering some of Meg's shampoo on the shelf, which said, for a full-bodied and voluminous hair. <laughs> uh, I can't tell you how disappointed I was uh, with the results. But in our scripture reading this morning, we discover a promise. Uh, and I think it's a great promise for a baptism day. Uh, it's the baptism promise in a sense that Beth has claimed for herself, which we'll be hearing a bit later on. It's a promise that does exactly what it says on the tin. Of course, the whole of Scripture uh, always does exactly what it says on the tin. For any of us who have been Christians for any amount of time now, the promise that's captured in our Scripture reading this morning is the promise that transforms not only our lives, but our eternity. It's the promise that Jesus is passionate about seeking out and saving those who are lost. Now, of course, when Jesus speaks about lostness or being lost, he's attaching a spiritual meaning to it in our context this morning. Well, our Bible story today, in fact, you get two stories for the price of one today, is really well known. It's a famous story that comes in Luke's, uh, chapter, in Luke's gospel in chapter 15, sometimes known as the lost chapter of Luke where Jesus is sharing these trilogy of parables, these three stories about three lost things. He speaks about a lost sheep, he speaks about a lost coin, and then he speaks about a lost son. Well, we dug into the, the parable about the lost son uh, some weeks ago at the very beginning of our teaching series, which, as Lauren said, ends next Sunday, uh, as we've been thinking about the Father heart of God. And so this morning we get to think about the lost sheep and we get to think about the lost coin. Well, parables are just small stories with a big message. And if you know about parables, you'll know that parables are told not simply for our entertainment or for our amusement, but they're told in order that they will bring transformation into our lives. If you have ears to hear this morning, 
it's possible that Jesus' short story will bring transformation into your life. And today's big message is this, with God, nothing and no one is ever so lost that they're beyond the point of rescue. Doesn't that sound like good news? That it's impossible to be so lost that you can be beyond the point of rescue. And I want to encourage you this morning as you hear these two stories to listen out for the heartbeat of God as I read the stories to you. See, what you're going to hear this morning is the heartbeat of God and you're also going to hear the response of heaven. This is what the heartbeat sounds like. Seek and save and seek and save and seek and save. And you hear the response of heaven that goes like this, seek and save and seek and save. Yay! That's just broken a few people's computers at home. You're going to hear that with every story, the heartbeat of God, seek and save and seek and save. And then there's a celebration as well in each story. So if you've got a Bible with you, don't worry if you haven't, but if you have, turn to Luke chapter 15 uh, and I'll read the story uh, to you. It says this. Now, the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering round to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners, and he even eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, and he goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. That's the first story. Then the second story, the parable of the lost coin, a bit shorter. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and she says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Did you hear the heartbeat of God? Seek and save and seek and save. Did you hear the response of heaven? Yay! There was a woman and her grandmother who were once sitting on the porch of their house and they were discussing a a member of the family, we all have them, don't we, who'd strayed away under very testing circumstances. And the younger woman said to the older woman, do you know, he's just no good. He's completely untrustworthy, not to mention being bone lazy and idle. And the grandmother said in response, yes, you're right, he is very bad. But she rocked backwards and forwards in a rocking chair a bit and then said, but, but Jesus loves him. He is bad, but Jesus loves him. Well, I'm not so sure about that, the younger woman persisted. Oh, yes, assured the elder lady, Jesus definitely loves him. And then she rocked, and she thought for a few more minutes, and then eventually added, of course, Jesus doesn't know him as well as we know him. <laughs> I wonder if you ever feel that way about yourself. You rock up at church or you, you speak to people like me and they'll say to you, well, God loves you. Or they'll say to you, do you know that Jesus died for you? And you either dismiss such a thought as just being a cheesy cliche or you decide it's true for everybody else, but it's surely not true for me. Or maybe like that lady, you just conclude, well, God doesn't know me very well if he loves me. I wonder if that thought resonates for you a bit this morning. 
you see, essentially, this is what Luke chapter 15 is all about. With each of the lost stories that's told, we discover afresh that God really does love us, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, and no matter how long we've been doing that thing. He loves us in spite of the fact that the all-knowing God knows absolutely everything that there is to know about us. What an astonishing thought that God knows everything and yet he loves me. And the message of the lost sheep and the lost coin, these short stories with a massive message is this, is God will gladly forgive you and God will gladly accept you if only you will allow yourself to be found by him. Seek and save, seek and save, yeah! We discover the the context of Jesus' trilogy of stories in the opening two verses of Luke chapter 15. And Eugene Peterson, in, in the message version of the Bible, puts it brilliantly. I love this. He says, a lot of men and women of questionable reputation. <laughs> what a brilliant phrase. A lot of men and women of questionable reputation were hanging around Jesus. They were listening intently. The Pharisees and the religious scholars were not pleased. They were not pleased at all. They growled. He takes in sinners and he eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. So it's their grumbling, it's their moaning, it's their growling which has triggered this series of stories that Jesus has told. Have you ever noticed that in life, that there's always someone, there's always someone who's willing to moan and groan and growl about somebody good doing something good. It it happens all the time around us. And in this case, it was the the religious elite of Jesus' day. It was the scribes and the Pharisees who were doing the moaning about somebody doing something good. And they were busy moaning about the unpopular people of their society. They were the despised, the disliked, the discredited, the disowned. Of course, every society has people like that. In Jesus' name, they basically, in Jesus' day, they basically fell into two categories. They were either tax collectors or they were sinners. Now, it's really obvious, isn't it, why the tax collectors were unpopular. They were unpopular because they collected taxes. Unlike the government today, they they did it inequitably, of course. And then there were the sinners. And the sinners were kind of like a catch-all term for everybody else who made questionable choices in their lives. But what I love about these people is that whatever their faults were, these two unpopular groups of people were doing something that was really quite marvelous. They were listening to the words of Jesus intently, the scriptures say to us. They were gathering around Jesus to listen to what he had to say. And in my estimation, that makes them quite wise individuals. Now, of course, not everyone was listening intently to what Jesus had to say. Some people present had their ears closed and their mouths wide open. And Jesus' response to those people, to the groaners, was simple. Listen, guys, I hang around with these so-called sinners. Why? Because God loves them and because God wants them to come home. That's why I hang around them. You may well have written these people off, but God has not written off these unquestionable people, uh, these questionable people that you speak about. As Jesus tells each of these parables, we're invited to see ourselves in each of the stories. We are the lost sheep. We are the lost coin. Now, I don't know about you, but rather oddly, I find it easier relating to be a lost sheep than I do relating to be a lost coin. But too, with each of the stories which is told, we're we're invited in the story to, to also identify God in the plot. God, of course, is the good shepherd. 
God is the one who's busy turning the house upside down, looking down the back of all of the sofas where the remote control is to try and find uh, the lost coin. But with each story too, there's an invitation. And the invitation in each story is this, is will you see yourself? Will you be able to hear the story for a moment and discover God's heart for you? But more than that, will you respond when you discover God's heart for you? Seek and save and seek and save. Yeah. The pattern's the same for every story. Now, it is worth taking a moment, isn't it, to to think about sheep together. Uh, Sheep really are pretty stupid animals, if we're really honest. And yet I have to admit this morning that I can be strangely like one. (laughs) When I think of a sheep, I think of a a creature that easily wanders off, a, a creature that gets itself into trouble. When I think of a sheep, I discover an animal that falls over on its back and it simply can't stand up again. That doesn't happen too often for me, but I can relate. I think about their physical uh, appearance. A sheep doesn't exactly strike fear into the heart, does it? And then apparently with sheep, if they spot a shiny object in the distance, they, they tend to head towards it. And after some time, they look up from the grass and they discover themselves in unfamiliar terrain and miles away from the herd. You might know some weeks back, uh, uh, my uh, eldest son and and my wife and I went and we climbed a mountain. There are some sheep in some stupid places on mountains. Now, I suspect few of us like the thought of being compared to a sheep, but actually, in truth, we can probably all identify. Should we all go bar together? No, no, let's not do that. And you know, if you're somebody who reads the Bible, you discover that actually there's no escaping the fact that the Scriptures regularly compare human beings to sheep. The great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, uh, the finest Baptist probably of all time, once said this, a sheep is of all creatures the most senseless. If we have a dog, it may find its way home again. Possibly a horse might return to its master's stable, but a sheep, it will wander on and on in endless mazes lost. Isn't that great? And if your life experience is anything like me, then you'll have to admit that you are prone to the same behavior before God that you can find yourself wandering off and doing frankly stupid things that hurt you and sometimes tragically harm other people by not living the way that God has called us to live. The Bible calls that condition sin. Again, another thought that we don't like, another word that we don't like. But the scriptures say, look, that is our condition before we come to faith in Jesus. We are human beings who are desperately in need of a good shepherd, who are desperately in need of a saviour. So that's a sheep, really stupid. But what a contrast you find in the story as well as you discover about this amazing shepherd that Jesus tells the story of. Did you notice that when the sheep wanders off, for a start, the shepherd is the one who takes the initiative. The shepherd doesn't just sit back and think to myself, well, I've got 99, I don't need to worry about the one. The shepherd doesn't sit back. He gets up off his feet and he goes off looking for the one even though he's got the 99. You see, the good shepherd knows that every sheep, whether we're found or whether we're lost, desperately needs a saviour, desperately needs the shepherd. And then in the story as well, did you see the perseverance of the shepherd? He just keeps going until he finds his sheep. He won't slack off once he's started the search. Now think about yourself for just a moment in your own home. When you lose something, or worst of all, when your children or a relative loses something in the house, how much time do you actually spend looking for it? I tend to get pretty frustrated after just a few minutes, 
And yet we discover in the story, Jesus will take a lifetime searching if that's how long it takes. And then, of course, the shepherd saves his sheep at not inconsiderable personal cost. The shepherd in the story is ready to invest his time and his energy, and he's ready to put the physical effort into carrying that sheep home on his shoulders. And as we hear each of these stories today, we should be in absolutely no doubt that Jesus is talking about his own ministry. He's talking about the very reason why he came to earth to fulfill the will of his Father. You see, when Jesus came to earth, he began a ministry that a prophet Ezekiel had spoken about many centuries before in the Old Testament in Ezekiel chapter 34. Listen to these words and see how familiar it sounds to the the ministry of Jesus. It says this, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, verses 11 and 12 of chapter 34. I myself will search for my sheep and I will look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue from them from all the places where they're scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Can you see here how Jesus is just fulfilling that ancient prophecy? And that ancient prophecy was just about the primary mission that Jesus himself spoke of a few chapters later in Luke 19. Jesus said there, I've come to seek and save those who are lost, those who are far away from my Father God. Like the good shepherd in our parable, Jesus has taken the initiative to not only seek but to save those who are lost. Jesus came from heaven to earth, which we'll celebrate again uh, starting next Sunday, in order to bring people into a relationship with his heavenly Father. When Jesus walked the earth, he met with and ate with very questionable people, with sinners and tax collectors, and he called them to repentance, literally to turn around. He said to them, would you put your faith in me? And if you do that, then you'll know the forgiveness of God and your life will be turned around for the whole of eternity. We must never forget, of course, that this mission of Jesus, this task that he gave himself to, came at great personal cost, culminating on the cross. What a good shepherd. The good shepherd who's willing to lay down his life for the sake of the flock. He seeks, he saves, he seeks, he saves. Yeah. Parables are told for the purpose of transformation. And I just wonder for some of us this morning if we're listening and we think, do you know what? I'm away from God. I've wandered away. I'm not in that place where I should be. Would you know and would you hear the message beyond the cliche this morning that he loves you? But not only does he love you, but he's also looking for you. If you're away from God this morning, would you allow yourself to be found by him? I heard a great story this week about police searching for a stolen car. So what you might think, that's what police do all the time. But the police actually were engaged in a really intense search for this particular stolen vehicle, and they were desperate to find the driver who was the thief. In fact, they went to great lengths. They, they placed adverts on the local radio stations. There were um, newspaper reports in the papers. Social media was awash with this campaign to try and find this particular thief of this particular car. The reason for that is apparently there was a box of crackers that was sat on the passenger seat next to the thief. So what? You're still thinking? I totally get that. Well, the reason why they were searching is because the crackers had been laced with rat poison. 
And they were really concerned that this particular thief was going to lean over, as you do when you've nicked a car, apparently, and eat some crackers. But the police and the owner of the stolen car were less interested in the stolen car than they were in the welfare of this particular thief. And I do wonder for us, so often when we run away from God, when we find ourselves in that place where we can say we're lost, we find ourselves in that place because we're trying to avoid punishment. But what we're actually doing by running away is eluding our rescue or eluding the rescue of God. If you're away from God this morning, would you hear so clearly, I believe, from our scripture reading today that God is searching for you. And he's, he's searching for you not so that he can punish you. He's searching for you this morning so that he can rescue you and so that he can bring you back into the fold. And when that happens, there's going to be a celebration in heaven. I can't tell you how many people I've journeyed with in the course of my ministry who have stayed away from God because they believe that God is going to reject them if they so much as even get close to him. He won't do that. It's the promise of our parable this morning. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 37, every person the Father gives me eventually comes running to me, and once that person is with me, I will hold on and I will not let go. Did it say in that text, every person that comes to me will be beaten by a big stick? Every person will be rejected. No, it didn't. It actually said that he will not let go of us. He'll never turn us away. He'll love us and he'll accept us if only we'll run into his arms. When I think about a lost sheep, a lost sheep doesn't need to be scolded when it's been found. A lost sheep doesn't need to be beaten with a big stick. A lost sheep doesn't need to be told for the rest of its life that it's a bad sheep. A lost sheep simply needs to be rescued and carried home. And that's what the, the shepherd does in the story. He leaves the 99 to go for the one and then he joyfully carries that sheep home. What an act of grace. I just imagine that sheep just kind of chilling out on the shoulders of the shepherd, just thinking, well, this is the place of grace and, and I'm just absolutely loving this. The, the sheep doesn't have to do any work to get home. He doesn't have to find the way. He doesn't have to look at a map. He just rests on the shoulders of the shepherd and he's carried home, and he's placed back into the fold. That's what Jesus does for us. He seeks, he saves, he seeks, he saves. Celebration. Listen again to these words from our scripture reading. They do exactly what they say on the tin. I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. I tell you in the same way, there's more joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. Are you lost today? Will you allow yourself to be found? Have you wandered off a bit like a stupid sheep? Would you know that the good shepherd is looking for you? Will you allow him to bring you home today? Because when he does, there's a party ready to happen in heaven. You know, I was a lost sheep some 25 years ago, and I can tell you, I've wandered out the fold more than a few times since that first time I was found. And my experience every single time has been the same, that the good shepherd goes to great lengths, to great lengths even to the cross, to find me and to carry me home every single time. And if you're a Christian this morning, I want to encourage you to know that you've got an amazing story which can be told. Beth, we are so looking forward uh, to hearing your story this morning. But we all have a story, a story that we can tell of the love and the forgiveness that God has shown us in the gospel. 
But perhaps this morning you're, you're here with us physically or you're watching online and you don't yet consider yourself to be a Christian. If that's you today, can I challenge you, can I encourage you to hear this short story, the big message contained within it, and to respond with it this morning if you've got ears to hear. I wonder this morning if you know how much you're loved and how much you're accepted and how much the shepherd would love to pop you on his shoulders and take you home today. I want to finish with a thought, and it's a somewhat tangential thought, actually, but I found it so encouraging in my preparation this week, and it's this, is when the shepherd leaves the 99 to go and look for the one sheep, do you know that is good news for all of the sheep? You might well be thinking to yourself, well, how neglectful. You've got 99 sheep. You're going to leave them in open country to go and look for one stupid sheep that arguably should be just left to to perish. How neglectful. But actually, it's good news for all the sheep when the shepherd goes to look for the one. Why do I think that? Because if the shepherd is not willing to leave the 99 to go and look for one, then there's no hope for me and there's no hope for you. You see, all of us right now are probably thinking, do you know what? I'll never wander away from Jesus. I'll never find myself away from the fold. I've said that so many times over my own life. But if the shepherd isn't going to look for the one, then I can have no confidence when on the day in the future I find myself lost that he's going to look for me. But he does. He leaves the 99 to find the one, and that's the promise. I find that strangely reassuring. I imagine, too, that as Jesus leaves the 99... And he brings them back, that the other, the other sheep should hoot and cheer or whatever it is that sheep do to, to celebrate every single time the shepherd leaves them. Because actually it's a story that this is a shepherd who's making a bold statement. Every single person matters to me and I will seek them and I will save them and I will bring them home. You're never so lost that you can't be rescued by this good shepherd. That's good news for all of the sheep. Beth, we are so looking forward to your baptism. So looking forward, Beth, to hearing the story that you're going to tell of how this good shepherd has done this for you. And Beth, today, I say this at every baptism, but why not say it today since this is our text? Would you know today, Beth, that the whole of heaven is leaning over the balcony, cheering this moment, and we join with heaven this morning. Can we pray together for a moment? Lord, this, uh, this story this morning is such good news. It's good, good news for those of us who today can identify with a sheep, who can identify with a lost coin, who can identify with a lost son or a lost daughter. This is good news because you're the God who sees our lostness and you're the God who pursues us. And Lord, thank you so much for that amazing truth that you don't pursue us just to come and tell us off or to scold us. But you pick us up to pop us on your shoulders to experience your grace so that we can be brought back to the safety of the fold. And Lord, we've said so clearly this morning with these parables, the whole point of them being told is so that we'll see ourselves in the story and so that we might just experience transformation in our lives. And I just want to give a moment for God by his spirit this morning, just to stir within our hearts, our lives, our minds, just 
what our response, our personal response might be today. Maybe for you, if this is the first time you've heard about this good shepherd, maybe today is the day to allow him to rescue you. Maybe today for you, you can think of a time many years ago, maybe even decades ago, where you can say, do you know what, yeah, I, I once was lost and I was found. But maybe you've wandered away again. Today's the day, come back home. Maybe today, today, the job for you is actually just to say, yeah, this is good news for all sheep. That We have a saviour who's willing to leave the 99 to go for the one. That gives me such hope. Gives me such assurance and such confidence for tomorrow. Holy Spirit, come. Just stir us for a moment so that we'll know our own personal response before you. Lord, thank you this morning for your heartbeat. Would we hear it, not only in these parables, but would we hear it in the story of our own lives? Would we hear it in the story of our friends and our family, that you seek, you save, you seek, you save? Lord, we choose today to join the celebration with heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Chris. Do you know, the, uh, the other aspect of, of the sheep, the hundred, and the, sh- the hundred sheep, is that Jesus knows every one of their names, and uh, he knows every one of our names. Our name, in the, our next song talks about our name being graven on his hands and written on his heart. How great is that to know that this shepherd knows us by name and speaks to us by name? and that we have access to him. Let's stand as we're able to, and let's sing before the throne of God. Thank you. 
To uh, be seated. Well, really brilliant to uh, be able to welcome back our, our children and our young people uh, from your groups. I'm so sorry that we cut your time short this morning, uh, but I hope you've had a really good time um, anyway. Let me explain what's going to happen now. We, we've kind of got to the really exciting bit um, in, in a baptism service, which is, of course, the actual uh, baptism. Uh, I'm just going to spend a few moments in a second.